Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from the Restart Project, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined today by my partner in crime, Janet Gunter. Hi. And by Marina Pla, our special guest from Club de Reparadores in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Hello. Hi. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to talk to Marina about her experience of running repair events in uh, Buenos Aires and uh, the connections and similarities of our work with hers and uh, look at emerging trends based on some of the stories we've seen this week in social media and also talk about some upcoming events. But first of all, uh, Marina, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we, we heard about uh, your work uh, on the internet and uh, when you said that you were passing through London, we were immediately really thrilled that we would finally meet because we, we've seen some of what you share online and we just wanted to hear a lot more <laughs> about why uh, repairing and why in, Bar in Buenos Aires <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Buenos Aires. Uh, what's behind it. Well, Club de Reparadores is a project, uh, it's a repair club, which we started last year in November, together with Melina Scioli, who's my partner in crime uh, <laughs> on this project and friend. Um, and uh, obviously we knew about Restart Project and we were huge fans. And both of us had been working around recycling and waste in the city of Buenos Aires. So we were really quite aware of the problem that this means um, for general household waste, but also for those items that come to come near the end of their uh, life. And we realized how mm, for many people it felt more and more difficult to find what to do with them, uh, whether it was possible to repair them or not. And um, I think it's something that we realized everyone felt that things last less time and they are harder to repair. And we felt that this was like really something interesting to work on and to focus on. And so somehow we came to the idea of running this uh, pop-up voluntary events. Sounds where, familiar. Uh, yeah, sounds, it rings a bell. Yes, in a way, I think we're like the little, a little brother, <laughs> a little brother project of Restart in Buenos Aires. Oh. Well, in that case, we're the little brother of the repair cafes in Holland because we were yes. inspired by the activities of other people elsewhere as well. Okay, so, so we, we're many brothers, yeah. little family <laughs> yeah. fighting Fast-growing family, however. Yeah. Yes. And so you originally took an interest in the way recycling and mm -hmm. waste management works in uh, Buenos Aires. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, um, obviously, yes, I, th I became interested in what was happening with waste. In Buenos Aires, we have this reality, which is a lot of people informally making a living out of uh, waste. And this is a reality that we bump into really in the streets, people trying to rescue cardboard and other materials. So when people put out their garbage, are they already imagining that someone will come and take certain do people separate their garbage if they think that someone might come and take certain parts well, of it well nowadays uh, 
I hopefully we do. Okay. <laughs> we we are supposed to definitely. Be, there's a law that um, okay. that says that we have to do it. In practice, however, it is taking um, some time and uh, difficulties to really fully happen. Um, but but back uh, around four years ago, when I started working around this subject, uh, it wasn't quite working as well as it is now. Uh, it was worse, I think, and and it was really an informal way of recovery uh, for waste. And during these four years, it has improved in the way that uh, many of these informal cartoneros or waste collectors have become a bit more organized in form of cooperatives. And they actually, they, they are trying to be included by the city government as the way in which recycling is um, is collected. Uh, That's really interesting for us because mm -hmm. actually just reminding the UK audience that um, recycling started informally here. And in mm -hmm. many Western, uh, Western or rich economies, it started yes. informally. So it was citizens who took it upon themselves to start sorting their garbage and creating collectives and ways of recycling. And then the... Uh, local authorities or governments got involved and mm -hmm. then large waste contractors came in. But it's kind of interesting for us to s to see that. Yes, it's a totally similar process that is going on at the moment in Buenos Aires. Uh, it's a big challenge, clearly, because uh, it's hard to... Um, it's it's a problem collecting waste and recycling. It's complex. No? There are so many factors involved in making it like... Um, a possible equation in every aspect, not like environmentally and socially and economically, because it has to work out in this sense. And uh, it's not um, it's not perfect at the moment. It's so perfectible, but it is interesting that it's going in a way where um, it's it's nice that it's a social uh, yeah no, way of of managing. It's encouraging that government mm. wants to work with collectives and smaller groups and to see if that can work. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine mm -hmm. that uh, the cartoneros and their cooperatives are mm -hmm. probably more effective than uh, more top-down approaches in filtering out of the recycling stream what can be reused still. Um, well, yes, and also I think especially it's it's people that really need uh, work and they need to make a living and this is a way they found and it's a, it's a problem that needs a solution. So if that can work out uh, in a way that it's beneficial for everyone, it's really like a... A really great um, example, no, of uh, of finding a solution and and having many other positive effects in the way. Um, but yes, I think obviously cartoneros are getting better and better, and they need also a lot of help from the government. I think they do need support in the form of infrastructure and certain facilities, no. And uh, there are some cooperatives that already received uh, like some I don't know how you call this, but transporting like um, tables, oh, like conveyor belts, conveyor belts. Or something. Thank you. That's the word. Yes, yeah. uh, which is like very useful for for doing the sorting, the proper sorting of the waste, and also they can be. There's a lot that they can be be trained in and learn in order to do that better. Also, when we started um, researching this this uh, subject for the project that we did called Reciclario.com.r, which is a website that provides information on how people can sort waste at home, uh, we realized that because cartoneros were working so informally, sometimes they didn't even know they, they didn't know that some materials or products were technically recyclable. Because they they hadn't found the the connection with a company or an industry buying that material post consumer, so so there were but there were so many links to be made 
uh, that that would enable more materials to be recovered and well, recycled. That's fascinating. And I suppose uh, land is an issue too, right, for co-ops. So, um, you know, a stable land tenure, knowing that you have a space to store and sort and uh, yeah, garbage. Yeah, that's crucial. Yeah. yeah, that's crucial. And it is... Um, it is great that if the city government can provide that, I think mm -hmm. uh, that totally helps. I mean, obviously recycling can be a business, but it's not always easy for it to be a business and the prices of materials fluctuate and Absolutely. this definitely needs uh, a little bit of help, no? Yes. And since it is the duty of uh, the government no, to, to take care of this and provide a solution oh, that's interesting. for people's waste, it's, um, I mean, it's an interesting process. As I said, it's really, there's, it could be so much better. It's so perfectible, um, but I really wish, and I, it's it's interesting to see the little progress made in this uh, in this direction. It's and I think Ugo was trying to get at the issue of reuse of electronics. So, yes. so, so when <laughs> let's imagine a household in Buenos Aires, uh, a toaster fails or or some kind of device fails. What what does the average person do with that? Or let's even imagine that they just got tired of it and they want a new one. Yeah. What does the average household do with that toaster and where does that toaster go? <laughs> Interesting. Well, it I think it varies a lot uh, how people react when when these things happen. And but but through Reciclario we started getting a lot of uh, of people writing and asking about this. And of course, many people the instant thing they do is they just put it out in a really like naive kind of way like pretending like this somehow will be directed somewhere <laughs> that and is right and it becomes someone else's problem uh, it's crazy but often people with waste seem to have this idea like we put it out of our house and it's as if it disappeared magically and so often people have literally no idea of where waste goes and um, like before before it was more common to to sort waste properly some people had the idea in their minds that everything that was recyclable would end up being really recycled despite like, were there fairies or magical fairies that came exactly like <laughs> the recycled fairies. very crazy very <laughs> surprising thoughts um but no obviously i mean in buenos aires if people don't throw don't sort waste properly um and if there is not an informal stage where any any of that is recovered things get landfilled of course and and this in many cases in all cases it ends up being like a total waste of resources no because materials in waste they are really that they they are valuable um, resources so in the case of the toasters uh, <laughs> most people would put them out i think um, irresponsible people there are a few um, alternative options such as uh, maybe well first of all trying to get them repaired uh, which what we found is that uh, People seem to find more and more and more difficult, and there's this um, there's this general idea that it will cost more uh, effort and more time and more money to get it fixed than to get a new one. Sadly, in some cases, this is true. In the case of the toaster, uh, pro probably. Uh, but even in the case of umbrellas, like no long ago, I interviewed like a little umbrella shop that was just about to shut down. Amazing, beautiful old little shop run by a family, like now second generation, very grumpy man, totally unhappy to be there because he was so frustrated because he was saying like in the times of my dad, umbrellas had a quality and they were produced in such a way that really by replacing a, a single part, you had a really good quality umbrella that could kind of continue being used. Whereas now, these super cheap umbrellas coming straight from China that don't resist like one minor storm, 
Uh, <laughs> and they're the same umbrellas that are sold routinely outside tube stations in the middle of a downpour here in London. Exactly. So it, there are similarities that are very exactly. global. So those umbrellas really are, it, it definitely costs more to try to repair them than to, um, than to get a new one. Same as with the toaster. So, so we realized that this was um, such a big problem. Um, and I mean, there, there are a few charities that work trying to recycle uh, these kind of electronics. But the thing is, I think that they can't possibly cope with the amount, yeah. mm -hmm. not just the sheer amount of, uh, of electronics and appliances that have such a Law, a short lifespan, and uh, yeah, I mean, here an unwanted toaster could go to the British Heart Foundation, for example. There are charities that will take unwanted functioning, and items. they will fix them, or or they'll check them. Some they'll do very minor repairs okay. potentially, but so but that doesn't even exist in. in it does Buenos exist Island. in a very small scale. Okay. Yeah, the city currently has, I think, two, um, like green points, they call them, and they have they have thirty green points in total where you can bring recycling. Um, these are like little store facilities in parks operated by the government. And this is like a parallel thing to the, in the cartoneros who collect uh, in every street. Um, but these facilities, there's two in the whole city that receive uh, electronics and wow. appliances. And you can only bring up to three per time. And some of that gets, uh, there is a little effort to see if this can uh, be repaired. or. But it's again, it's a very small scale if we look at the... Um, at the overall uh, number of toasters probably going out of order um, in the whole of the city, so it's not it's not enough really. Uh, so we still need solutions for that, and that's one of the reasons why we started Club de Reparadores. We just wanted to really um, push a bit in this direction and really focus on the fact that it's difficult and it takes effort and it's not easy, but still. Uh, it's kind of our it's our responsibility to do it in a way i think as consumers no to take care of what we purchased and uh, obviously it would be nice uh, if manufacturers were responsible for this as well like if they're shared uh, part of our responsibility there uh, but us you know once we've purchased an item and it's broken rather than just simply discarding it and give up um, we thought it was nice to generate a space where we could like be together on this and really <laughs> join um, efforts to try and and extend the life of this um, of this kind of object. You're listening to Restart Radio on Resonance one hundred four point four. FM, and we're talking to Marina Pla from the Club de Reparadores in Buenos Aires. So tell us more about how the events work. From what I understand, uh, there's well more than what we normally do at a restart party happening there. Yes, well, when we started the events, we were um, frankly quite scared of dealing with electronics because we knew this was so difficult. And um, the events are voluntary, so we invite people who know how to fix them things because um, maybe people who, who are professionals, people who are amateurs, people who are enthusiasts, sometimes people went to a technical school or they learned from their parents some skills. And the idea was to invite these people and provide uh, a workspace and some basic tools and invite people with uh, broken objects. Uh, initially, we started with electrics, like electric appliances. 
and uh, textiles like clothes and bags and sometimes shoes. This was like the basic format of of the of the club, club. Sounds <laughs> strange to call it club. Um, and then after these first editions. Um, we also had other people coming in with different skills wanting to kind of participate so we soon had friends who knew really well to bookbind and to repair books to like restore um, broken jackets of books or books that were losing pages and um, these two friends Leonora and Nini they joined and uh, they've been they've been participating in quite a few editions um, leading this this sector of the event which uh, where people can bring their books and get them repaired and learn how to how to do it and then also we had the chance of um, like teaming up with fab labs uh, one in bariloche in patagonia in argentina and also uh, two in the city of buenos aires one that belongs to uh, the centro metropolitano de diseño which is a metropolitan center of design which is a space that belongs to the city and runs a fab lab with 3d printers and laser cutting machines and they became interested in the project and they invited us to co-host an event. Uh, and that was really something we were super keen on doing because obviously these technologies uh, really extend the possibilities when it comes to repairing. And we were really interested in trying to 3D print spare parts. In Argentina, it's quite hard to get spare parts for broken electronics. Like I know here, you can order them online and get them yeah. to your door mm -hmm. within 24 hours, which not all, but some. Well, yeah, yeah. you're so <laughs> jealous about that because in Argentina, it's quite hard. Like we don't really have that. There are a few uh, spare part shops, uh, but you really have to be really lucky to, to find first to find what is wrong with your appliance and realize that it's due to a broken part. And then like really find the exact part you need is like would be quite quite um, lucky <laughs> uh, so the 3d printing for this was like something we were super uh, enthusiastic about so um, the for those listeners that are not aware of the fab lab uh, movement yes. uh, so in in your experience in buenos aires what does a fab lab uh, have in terms of equipment and uh how does it work? Well, it's something quite new for us too. Um, I think generally it's new spaces trying to um, um, promote themselves and find ways in which they can be useful uh, for the community. But uh, in the case of the Fab Lab in Semede, which it's a space that belongs to the city, um, they have 3D printing machine and laser cutting and they have general uh, woodwork facilities. Um, it's a really interesting, it's like a really well-equipped workshop. And the way it works is I think people can go there with their projects and get like fast prototyping and they can get advice and they can use these machines um, for for their own projects. Uh, also Neti, which is the other Fab Lab where we hosted our 10th edition uh, just uh, less than two weeks ago. Um, I like the name Neti. It, it comes from ni todo es inventado. Neti is no está todo no, no inventado, which yeah. means not everything has been invented. That's a great yet. name. It's, it's a great name. Yes, it's a fabulous space. Uh, really nice people. And Neti, they do many courses on workshops um, around these technologies and uh, 
circuit bending and a lot of things. So they were really a great uh, friend on this adventure. And I highly recommend, uh, there's a video you have on your Facebook page mm -hmm. of how you were able to 3D print. Uh, it's not quite a cog, but a part for a stick blender. For a blender, yes. A hand blender. Um, that's really, really cool. We haven't yet to really been able to do that at our events. Yeah, we've tried in one occasion mm -hmm. uh, to 3D print a small part for a printer um, mm -hmm. together with the South London makerspace, but uh, the part didn't really work as we were hoping. And we find always the challenge of 3D printing when we had had an opportunity. It takes quite a long time and you need to it have does. the design. How did you uh, work around this? Well, it was quite pushed for time, really. It was like just, just about on time. But what we do is we really use uh, um, social networks a lot. Like the project is really sustained on uh, on how on our, the community that we have on Facebook, uh, and through there, what we did was really invite people who could 3D model and people who had broken um, appliances that needed a, a, a part, and we asked them to show up really early. We always have a forum where we ask people if they can um, like sign up, if, telling us that they will come and what they're bringing, so that we can try to estimate what will be happening in the event and prepare and try to make sure that we will have enough volunteers to deal with what will be coming. Uh, so, and this is what happened really, like the, the person with the part came in quite early and we could soon very quickly do a, like a proper diagnosis of what was wrong with the part. And we had two brilliant volunteers. Uh, she's Sela, she's like a genius modeler. And she could uh, work on the part quite quickly with the help of, of two other um, people who came. And, um, and because also the piece was so small, uh, because usually with 3D printing, the, the larger the piece, the, the longer it takes. But in this case, because it was quite small, we could, we could do it and it worked. But I have to say that on the seventh edition and an edition before, we worked with another Fab Lab called Tamako. Um, it's funny because I'm sure everyone thinks Buenos Aires is packed with Fab Labs, <laughs> which is not. But there are actually three, at well, least. There's more than I can count in um, many other cities. But in Tamako, we did the first uh, experience with 3D printing and there the piece didn't work. Like it was the base of, um, of a large blender. Okay. And the, um, I don't know how we say this, the, the ro La Rosca, um, like, you know, the way it has to fit uh, by screwing the oh, screw. Oh, yes. Something that you screw on. Yeah, exactly. On. The screw was not right. Mm. So the piece was not just fitting. Yeah. Uh, so it had to be worked on. There's after. a lot of trial and error, isn't there? There is, yeah. yes, unavoidably. But still, it's so interesting to show. And what we really like is the fact that people who come around the event sometimes really discover that there's this technology available and that there is this very useful application for it. Because I think with 3D printing, often this is what happens. No, it looks so amazing. But it's quite hard for us to really come up with ways in which this technology can be really useful. I was thinking about your project. Is, is You just started in November, is that correct? Yes. It, it also feels like a very emergent and exciting project. It, it's In a way, it's really appropriate that you're engaging with Fab Labs and 3D printing because there's a similar feeling with and with our work as well. It's like, how are we going to sustain this? Like what there's a great promise to everything that we're doing. And it feels like everything is <laughs> moving and converging in a certain direction, but we're not entirely sure how it's all going to work out. Tell tell listeners, I mean you're you're still a volunteer yourself and We are, yes. The reason you speak pretty good English, I would say, is also because you spent a couple of years here in London. So I tell did, people yes, I did. <laughs> I did come to college here a long time ago. 
Um, my English is a bit rusty, though, because it has been out of practice. But uh, um, but the project is something that we started up with. Uh, but just to say, you're a designer, so I yes. am a graphic designer um, and a communicator. Really, mm -hmm. I think I work uh, in communication now, um, and I also do design, and I also do the graphic design of the project, which I super enjoy. And I think the whole communication about what we do and what the project is about really plays quite an important role. Um, and Meli Scioli, who's my, my partner in the project, uh, she also comes from a background of communication and the arts. And uh, and we, yeah, we were super interested in doing this and seeing what, what would happen. And the project has had really good um, response from people. And uh, really one thing has been leading to another. And now we, we can't believe that it's been already 11 editions. Yeah. Um, uh, so far, and, and it's you only a, you have a massive following uh, on Facebook. I mean, it's we were talking. The community yeah. really did build up mm -hmm. quite quickly, and uh, I think this is due to the fact that people really um, people really react to this because everyone relates. I think anyone can see from their own experience that this is a problem. No, the fact that things break up so quickly. I think it it really taps on some common sense in everyone <laughs> and, and that um, common sense you also encapsulate in some really beautiful posters so you, one of the things we first noticed about you was that you were sharing these spectacular um uh how, how do you make those posters these beautiful posters images on we discovered you on instagram i believe ah, okay yeah yes yeah. yes i think we were following you on instagram initially <laughs> yeah um yes uh yes with meli we started um we knew this letterpress a printing place in the outskirts of Buenos Aires, a really beautiful family-run printer called Imprenta Boquerón. And, uh, and Imprenta Boquerón has this very old Heidelberg machine and prints with all very big uh, wooden letters. And, um, and these posters are just so strong and so beautiful. And I had worked with them as a designer before. And with Meli, we, because we had been working around sustainability and waste, we came up a section of the Constitution of Argentina which is Articulo 41, and uh, we were amazed because this section basically speaks about um, our right to enjoy a healthy environment and our duty to preserve it for future generations. And it was really like a definition of sustainability within our constitution, and we thought, wow, that's really worth uh, spreading. <laughs> so we thought the poster would be a great format for that, and we started printing these really large posters, uh, putting some up in the streets, and giving some to uh, places uh, for education and cultural centers. And, and they're for sale online, correct? And they <laughs> are for sale online. And uh, it's really something that we started um, just because we wanted. And now because there's such an interest in the posters, it is one of the ways in which we sustain uh, Club de Reparadores, uh, which obviously does have some expenses. And at the moment, it is completely um, voluntary and supported by people like Meli and me and a lot of others who who really believe in it and kind of enjoy doing it. And uh, I think it's so rich for everyone who's involved uh, in the event. There's something very human uh, about really reconnecting with our things and with others. Uh, nowadays, no, it's it's so common that we don't really know where things come from or how they're made and really getting together with some other people to open something up and understand how it works and really try to keep it working. Um, there's something really, really rich in that, which is part of what we love about the project. Yeah. 
It resonates so much with our experience, really. You know, when people ask us, what are you most proud of? What you've enjoyed the most is actually getting to meet a lot of people that are committed, although they might be coming from to our events for a variety of different reasons. But they get together and everyone knows why they're doing this. And exactly. there is a common a commonality of purpose which really strikes us all the time. And every new neighborhood we go to or any new city that develops their own version, it seems to be always at the heart of it. And in fact I just wanted to report back from a great event that we've been involved in last weekend in Ilford, um, together with Sophia Hubs at the Salvation Army just near the train station and it was a fantastic buzzing event bringing together people repairing bikes people uh, providing reused uh, products uh, people sending seedlings or making uh, great food and sharing it with the community and uh, we, we met fantastic people who wants to replicate restart parties in the area so it's it's great, great. When, when you have that human experience it explains much more than just the cold materiality of things so we're nearing the end of today's and it was such an enjoyable interview that we didn't end up talking about the doom and gloom in some of the social media stories we read <laughs> this week and all the better for everyone. We'll, um, we'll talk about the wave of tablets becoming obsolete next week then. There's always time to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so there's two events happening outside of London this week. Uh, one is tomorrow, a restart party in Jerusalem, Israel, and one in Turin on Sunday the 17th. Uh, so more details if you're listening from this place. It's uh, on our website. And uh, uh, just one mention for an event we're running next week on the 23rd, back again in Ilford, we're running... Um, workshop on how to run restart parties so no fixing for once and we still have a few spots available in case anyone wants to learn from our experience on best tips and practices on how to run events and in the meantime thanks so much for listening and you can find more about the restart project on therestartproject.org or on social media at restart project on twitter and facebook thanks for listening this program has been brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you liked what you heard and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm.